0: Welcome to the Family Room Podcast. We're back. It was my own doing. Davis, our two-and-a-half-month-old son, threw me for a loop, got off my schedule, fell off the horse, back on. That's all we need to say about it. So, really excited to be back doing the podcast again. Appreciate you guys, the encouragement, and uh, to get it back going. We have a fun guest, Josh Mata, associate. No, assistant. I was messing up. Associate assistant pastor. Why do they have to be so similar? But assistant pastor, he's married to Sophie. They have one son, Haddon, and uh they've been just a great family. We've been so happy to have them join Christ Covenant Church. And now Josh joins the Family Room podcast. All right, let's get him in here. Josh Mata, he's on the line right now, joining the Family Room podcast. Also, continuing the Dothan, Alabama pipeline. How often do you talk about Dothan, Alabama, with uh, Casey or Caleb?
1: Um, pretty often, actually. What? Uh, it'll come up. It'll come up. You know, if it's been a few weeks and we haven't talked and we're catching up on things, um, one of us will say, "Hey, when was last time you went to Dothan?" or um, something like that, or we'll you know we'll share a memory from when we lived there. So yeah, it it comes up uh, pretty often.
0: Do you, do y'all have some overriding memories besides the peanut festival? Uh,
1: not a whole lot, at least that we've uncovered. There yeah. could be more. Um, I mean, the main thing that that's kind of crazy that m- many know about already is that uh, Casey and Caleb's um, dad. Uh, were or what sorry was my history teacher um my high school ninth grade history teacher yes
0: that is so crazy see i always yeah, thought man. i i told you this i think but i i once famously asked casey if dothan had a mcdonald's or somewhere to to get some food because he made <laughs> it seem like such a small place and yeah. i was passing through and i was like man is there, is there like a mcdonald's or anything right. and and he didn't like that
1: yeah, yeah. We have, we have there's lots of McDonald's there, you know. <laughs> plenty lots of, of, lots of
0: them. Plenty of McDonald's to be had. But uh but yeah. Uh what do you miss about Dothan besides your fam? Uh
1: What do you miss most? That's about it. That's okay. about it. Yeah. My family. I mean, you know, it's not the worst place ever, but there's just not a lot there. So, I definitely miss my family. Um but other than that to be to be straight up not a whole lot.
0: Okay. Not even the peanut festival.
1: Uh, I can do without it.
0: Yeah. It Yeah. It sounds a it's it, I mean, it sounds like a state fair, which is cool, you know?
1: It is. It's a state fair. That's exactly what it is. It's a, it's a large
0: state fair. Yeah. Okay. Well, this is a heck of a segue, but I'm curious. How, how did you become a Christian? Was it growing up in Dothan or was it in college? Because you were involved with Campus Outreach at Stanford. Is that right? Yes,
1: I was. Um, yeah, I like that question um yeah basically in a nutshell i i grew up in a christian home uh, my parents were strong believers and they did a great job sharing the gospel with me as i uh was growing up and taking us to church and um when i was really little uh, like six years old i remember praying a prayer and getting baptized and um and then kind of growing up i was always sort of a good kid um and when I got to high school, kind of my senior year of high school was the first time that uh, someone other than my parents really mentored me and really invested in me and taught me, you know, what it looks like to follow Christ and study the Bible. And, um, and so that happened senior year, and then I went off to college at Stanford University in Birmingham. Um, and then, got, yeah, like you said, I got involved in campus outreach and was mentored. Uh, by another guy and yeah I, I kind of struggle to know exactly when the moment was that I was converted um, there's a small part of me that still thinks maybe it was when I was so young I just didn't know you know really what it looked like to follow Christ until later um, yeah. but I, I do think it I do think it was sometime between kind of senior year of high school and freshman year of, of college and um, uh, maybe early on in college when, yeah, I, I, I remember there's a few distinct moments I remember when um, the Lord showed me my sin for the first, really helped, let me feel the weight of my sin for the first time. And then um, I remember sitting at my desk freshman year reading Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, hmm. for by grace, your through faith, this is a gift of God. Uh, this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. And I just remember that hitting me in the face and just really, uh, understanding that I can't do anything to save myself. It's only by God's grace. So that may have been the moment, um, that I was converted. Uh, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I, I think it was probably somewhere freshman year of college.
0: I'm, so I'm fast forwarding a bit here, but you spent some time in Malaysia. It was right after mm-hmm. college. How, how did that come about? And what were you doing there?
1: Yeah, so I um, let's see, I graduated college in 2012 and uh, me and two of my buddies who who we went to the same church and then we also were involved in campus outreach together. Um, our, we graduated and then that summer after graduation, we, the three of us were on a summer beach project together in Fort Walton Beach, Florida and uh, we did that the summer after we graduated and then Following that, we, the three of us actually went, m- moved to Malaysia for nine months and we lived there and, uh, we worked with a missionary, um, who, uh, who lives there full time. And, uh, he does, uh, he works with m- Malay Muslims. Um, Malaysia is actually a Muslim country. A lot of people don't know that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we partnered with him and, um, yeah, it, it was awesome. Uh, it was a it was a really neat time, and uh, I think the Lord definitely used it in my life in a lot of ways.
0: So, I don't I don't know if that was a part in it or was it after, maybe before. But at, at what point were you deciding to pursue full time vocational ministry?
1: Yeah, so we were. Um, that was that thought was kind of on and off in my head throughout college, and then you know, as I was involved with campus outreach. Um, and then when I graduated, I still didn't really know what I wanted to do, have this opportunity to go live overseas. Um, so did that. And then while I was over there, um, I really started to think, okay, what am I going to do when I get back? Hmm. And the idea of seminary was going through my head. I actually applied to a seminary, um, and got accepted. Um, but when I was coming home, um, I really for some reason I just still didn't feel like seminary like that was what I was supposed to do um, I just didn't I didn't have a deep desire to, to go to seminary or to start any type of full-time ministry um, so what I did for two years after I got home from Malaysia was I worked as a, a undergraduate admission counselor at Samford University so I did that for two years and then I um, And then it was during the second year of that that I really started to think more and more about full-time vocational ministry and um, through prayer and mentors and friends and family and uh, reading books. Uh, I mean, it was a long process to really decide if that's what I felt like the Lord was um, calling me to. Uh, Yeah, I, I... Um, decided that seminary was the next step. And so, yeah, so I I went to um, Southern Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky, um, in 2015. And that was uh, like a week after Sophie and I got married, we moved up to Louisville um, to start seminary. That's crazy. That's kind of how that
0: happened. That's a wild timeline right there. Um, I feel like sometimes we can make pastoral callings, a little more mystical than they are, you know. And mm-hmm. so, I, I, I'm mm-hmm. curious from your perspective. I mean, not that there has to be, but was there some sort of linchpin, you know, moment, so to speak, where you're like, "Man, okay, like I'm, yeah. I'm doing this," but not that it was necessarily written in the sky. You know, it seems kind of like what you're saying. It's you're just mm-hmm. like, I was considering these things. I'm praying about it. I was talking to people, and this, I guess, I'm babbling. You go ahead. What what what? Well, That's was great, there like a moment? Yeah,
1: yeah. I'm glad you asked that question because I, you are absolutely correct about this mystical type um, idea that people talk about sometimes. Um, and I had a, I had a kind of negative experience with that once when I was in undergrad. Um, I was a religious studies major, and I remember sitting in a, in a class, um, and the, the religion department there at, at Stanford is, is not. I mean. Yeah, they're, they're pretty theologically liberal. Um, and so my undergrad experience was uh, pretty tough. Uh, anyway, I remember sitting in one of my classes, and the activity was to go, everyone to go around and talk about your call story hmm. and what your call story was. And I remember everyone was sharing just these, just what you said, these kind of mystical, almost, you know, just some almost outlandish experiences that it was this time in my life when I knew I was called to ministry by God. And I remember being anxious when it was coming to my turn. I was thinking like, I don't, I've never had that. I don't even know if I'm called to full-time vocational ministry yet or not. So, um, yeah, so I've, I've experienced that before. Um, so, but to answer your question, no, it certainly was not that way for me. Um, it, I, the, the way the, the means the Lord used to draw me to um, this, uh, this job is, yeah, it was through prayer, through um, desires that I had to, to do this, um, yeah. through other people. Uh, many mentors, many friends who were affirming uh, these gifts and talents in me to, um, to do this type of work. That was a big part of it. Um, was others affirming it in me, um, and then, uh, and then just time. So just waiting. Um, you mm-hmm. know, I didn't want to just jump into seminary right away um, because it was just something I wanted to do. I really wanted to wait and see if this was what the Lord had or not. Um, and over time, it became clear. I did, I read a book um, actually called "Am I Called?" Mm-hmm. Um, I think by Dave Harvey, and uh, and that's the whole thing. Is he's he walks you through how to decipher if you if you the Lord is calling you air quotes to uh yeah the pastoral ministry in in some capacity so that book was really, really helpful as well for me um, and it just gives you a lot of practical advice for how to decipher that
0: hmm. so Southern seminary what what were one or two of the best parts of just being up there H- how long were you there? and uh yeah how has that served you since pretty loaded so yeah
1: no that's good um we were there sophie and i were there we got married in september 2015 and then moved up there and then we were there for three years Hmm. on the dot pretty much um and then after that so we moved uh down here to baton rouge but uh yeah so we we were there uh let's see oh so what was impactful um Yeah. I mean, just getting to, to spend three years focusing only on studying and learning and growing, um, was awesome. Um, sitting under some of the best professors in the world, really, um, when it comes to theological studies, um, is, was, was awesome. Um, I, I, uh, yeah, I think I really liked a lot of my classes. There wasn't many classes I did not like. Um, so really just some of my systematic theology classes um, where you're, you're diving deep into different doctrines about who is Jesus, hmm. who is God, um, what does Scripture say about who Jesus is, and what does that mean. Um, but those systematic theology classes were some of my favorite, and some of the ones where— um, yeah, I feel like I was equipped in a lot of ways to talk about these things and um, and to, to better uh, understand doctrines of Scripture and the Bible and how to, how to uh, talk to others about these things. And then, um, so the, yeah, those systematic theology classes really prepared me in a lot of ways. Um, some of the other ones, some of my other favorites were um, my counseling classes, Uh hmm. Where you just you know you just got real practical for how to counsel others um, through the through God's word, um, deal, you know when people are dealing with any and every issue you can think of. Um, so those were those were really helpful um, for me as well. Uh, um, but yeah, I, I loved everything. I loved most things about it. <laughs> Excuse me about it. And and uh, yeah, a lot of the things I learned there, you know, I still use today when I'm uh, hanging out with people, meeting with people, uh, sermon prepping,
0: things like that. So so take us behind the curtain a little bit. You know, we, we know kind of on our end as far as meeting you as a, as a church family, but, you know, the decision to come down to Baton Rouge and be a part of Christ covenant, how did you find out about the church? And, and what was that conversation like in the beginning stages?
1: Yeah. So, um, it's really funny. Sophie and I were, um, we were just, we didn't know where we wanted to go. Um, we were open, really open to go anywhere, um, after graduation. Um, and, and we, I applied, um, kind of the, I don't know, probably seven or eight months before I graduated. I just started applying, um, to different, churches, different positions, really all over the nation. I was looking at um, either a position like I have now, so like pastoral assistant type position, or um, maybe a college ministry type position at a church. So those were kind of the two things I was seeking out. And um, yeah, like I said, I applied to churches all over the nation, Um, California, Colorado, Florida, um, Alabama, Texas um, and even some multiple, multiple churches in some of those states. And so, um, you know, got some nodes, got some, uh, you know, got some interviews, got some, basically got some offers to accept other jobs. And mm-hmm. then, um, but in the midst of all this, you know, we were trying to decide, uh, what to do, where to go. And, uh, I'll take a step back. So b- before I, In the midst of applying um, to churches, I I remember I was on um, our website uh, for the seminary. They have a page that basically has uh, churches around the nation that are hiring. And so I was on that page, and um, I saw Christ Covenant Church, Baton Rouge, and it was for a pastoral assistant position. And so I was like, oh, Uh, Sophie being from New uh, Orleans—and it was funny, I was actually with her family when I saw this job posting. We (laughs) were— At a wedding in uh, Austin, Texas, and I remember sitting there and saying, "Oh, hey, there's this church in Baton Rouge that's hiring," and um, and they, you know, her whole family got excited. They're like, "Oh, no way, that's great!" So uh, I, you know, I, I looked at it and clicked on the Christ Covenant website and was just looking at the statement of faith and you know, making sure I, you know, it was solid and um, that I lined up theologically with Christ Covenant and. Um, anyway, I clicked on the ministries page, and I saw Campus Outreach as one of the mm. ministries here. And uh, that's when I got really excited, um, because I was deeply involved in Campus Outreach in college, discipled by men from Campus Outreach. Um, and I just, you know, I, I knew right away, like, if this is a CEO church, then I, I'm probably going to really like it. Um, and so, yeah, applied and... Um, then yeah came down for a couple interviews and the rest is history um so it was it was really neat uh, to see just kind of the lord uh bring us here um uh, because you know again sophie's family being in new orleans we we never really thought we well we weren't sure we, we didn't know if we would be close to her you know her family or not or be in new orleans or baton rouge or, or really anywhere in Louisiana, um, but turns out that like of of all the churches i applied to of all the places um you know we thought about going uh this was the one that we just when we came and visited just really fell in love with christ covenant and the people here and um and yeah just got really excited about it so um and we've loved it so far so
0: so as far as like being down here you know there's a lot of things that we see obviously like you know, you preaching a sermon or you leading a class or doing things that are very in front of us. But as, as a brand new pastor starting out, what are some of the other things? Maybe he's behind the curtain already, but, you know, it's like maybe what are some of the other things like you're learning, setting a foundation of right now with with Bradley and Sean?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's one of the things that I was I really, really wanted in my you know first job out of seminary was being able to come alongside to come under, um, some older men who have been doing this for a lot longer than I have. Mm-hmm.
0: Um,
1: I did not want to go into a cause, and some people do this. Some people are called and equipped to do this, to go be a senior pastor right at a seminary at, you know, usually a, a smaller church. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of guys that do that. Um, and I just, yeah, I did not want to do that. Um, I, I wanted to, um, Come underneath and learn from older men uh, for a while, and uh, and and just be mentored in what it looks like to do pastoral ministry, and what it looks like to, yeah, preach and prepare sermons and teach classes and uh, counsel people and just so many things that go into it. I I was, um, yeah, and so I I was really excited when just those first couple interviews when um, Bradley and some of the elders were just telling me like, yeah, this is what we you know this this is what your role would be um and you know them kind of casting the vision for for just that for for them really kind of mentoring me and um so yeah it's been awesome I, I tell people when they ask how i'm liking it i tell them i i couldn't have even like imagined that this this was how great um of a position the lord was preparing for me to be in um, just yeah getting to be around Sean and Bradley and even the, the other elders, um, on a day in day out basis and learn from them. And, yeah. Um, they really do invest in me and pour into me in, in behind the scenes in ways that, um, that I need and, uh, that I'm really, really thankful for. Um, so I've learned in the past year and, you know, a few months I've been here, I've just learned so much from them that I know is going to, going to go into, uh, the rest of my my life as, uh, or however long the Lord called me to this type of work, so.
0: Well, this probably looked different for, for different people, but I mean, what is one or two ways for people to encourage their pastors? You know, sometimes I, I think, you know, we, we think you guys are superhuman at times or invincible, you know. I mean, you went to seminary, so there's there's no way you get
1: Yeah, Yeah, right? <laughs> That's funny. Um, yeah, I think, um, yeah, I think just I think one big thing is just being um, a friend. Uh, hmm. One thing that they talk about in, um, in seminary is is that a lot of pastors, and this is unfortunate, but a lot of pastors out there really do kind of uh, feel like they're on an island, hmm. um, like they don't have any friends, they don't have any other men that they can really just be themselves around, be themselves around and um and it really does often i mean she sure heard of these things but uh it leads them to, to burnout and so they they just leave ministry altogether um you know it's it, uh yeah the, the idea of, of them feeling like they're on an island and so hmm. um yeah i think i think one thing is just being a friend um
0: yeah
1: i was thinking about this recently actually uh and just and i'm thankful um, here, I, I do feel like, I know for me, just for being here a year and a half, I do feel like I legitimately have uh, people here at Christ Covenant who see me as a peer, see me as a friend. Um, uh, and so that's that's been really helpful, um, and I, I, w- I would hope, and I think Sean and Bradley would agree with that as well. Um, and so that's one of the biggest things, um, is, is being a friend. Um, and... Uh, and then, yeah, just just viewing viewing um, your pastors as yeah as a normal human being who who is going to fail and make mistakes and um, and just yeah trying. I mean, obviously, yes, we we know from scripture pastors are um, called in some ways called to a higher standard because they're called to, called to give an account for um, the people that they shepherd and that they oversee. And so yeah. um, there is that element to it, but at the same time, you know, not, not putting, uh, unrealistic expectations on your pastor, um, as if they're, yeah, as if they're some sort of ultra, ultra spiritual, um, person They, you know, it's, and that's one thing I, again, I've been encouraged here. I, I don't, I haven't felt a lot of that really. Um, and that's, it's been
0: really encouraging. So, well, we're gonna skip ahead at the end. We're gonna we're gonna go to the speed round. But I was gonna ask you if it was love at first sight when you met Sophie. But well, well, I'll have to uh, ask <laughs> Sophie that one day when we get her on because we we're, I'm okay. I'm pushing it. I'm pushing the time. So let's, let's right. jump to the well, speed round.
1: I'll, well, I'll answer that real quick. For me, yes. For Sophie, no. Not so much. So that's the that's the cliffhanger. And so uh, feel free to ask uh, Sophie and I that later.
0: That's a that's a tease. All right. Yeah, one day we'll get Sophie on here. Um, all right, so a l- little bit of a speed round here. Favorite thing Haddon is doing right now.
1: Ooh, yeah. Um, <laughs> he he laughs a ton, and so you can like tickle him, and he'll laugh. Um, and he 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 said his first word other than Mama and Dada the other day, and it was Duck. duck. So we had a little rubber duck, and we would hold it up, and he would say Duck. And so yes, it's maybe might be the cutest thing in the world right now so yeah that's probably my favorite
0: all right you can challenge Bradley and Sean to one sport and you're trying to win what what is it and what's your game plan
1: if I'm wanting to win I would say basketball um because that's the sport I'm the best at and so uh I don't think I mean, obviously, Sean's a lot bigger than me, so yeah. I would have to get him at the, you know, at the, at the, behind the, behind the arc at the three. Okay. So
0: shoot have probably have To
1: get him that way, or, or maybe I might be able to, to uh, juke him out, put him on his feet, or uh, put him on his rear end um, as I'm driving to the, to, to the basket. So that's, that's one. That's my game plan there for Sean. For Bradley, you know, I have not played basketball with Bradley yet, um, but I hear he's pretty good. So, um, I hope to do that sometime in the future, but I don't know if I could beat him. I hear he's good. So hopefully that'll happen one day.
0: All right. There, there's been a couple of times where I thought you and Sophie might leave the church just to start an uh, Atomic Burger franchise. The floor is yours. S- sell the people <laughs> on Atomic Burger. What, what should they get?
1: Yeah. So that's, a, that's great. I'm glad you brought that up. I'm a little disappointed because I always hear or often hear from friends and people here at Christ Covenant that Atomic Burger is only okay, that it's Overpriced. Um, I, I, I'll give them. I'll give them the overpriced part. So fair. That's fair. However, uh, the jam burger, which is just their, it's their classic burger, but they put bacon jam on it, and it is amazing. So if you go, get the jam burger, and um, and taste the the taste of glory. Um, it's, it's, it's really good. And, uh, the bun is really soft and that bacon jam, you just can't, you can't replicate that. So I would say, yeah, go do that. If you did not like your first atomic burger experience.
0: Okay. Give me a, a book recommendation, something that uh, you've enjoyed, you've read in the last year that, that doesn't have to do with, whatever, you know, something you're reading for the church or specifically about Christian living. It could be a fiction book or autobiography, historical. Mm-hmm. What, give, give me a recommendation.
1: Yeah. So, um, I'll give, yeah. Okay. So I have to do two categories here. First Christian living, um, super impactful book. I've talked about this before, but remember death. um, it's, uh, by Matthew McCullough. Great book. Um, just, yeah, really did change my life in a lot of ways. So remember death, uh, talks about how to think about our own coming death in light of, um, being a Christian. And he talks about remembering death is the path. That's what the title is. Remembering death is the path of living hope. Hmm. Um, so that's one I would say definitely read, uh, in terms of just ge- in books in general, um, I haven't read this in the past few years, but the book Unbroken by Laura Hillenbrand um, is, if, if people say, you know, give me a book to read about just about anything that is a great story. I always say Unbroken um, by Laura Hillenbrand about, it's a true story about a guy in World War II who had just a crazy, this crazy stuff happen to him. Um, and, uh, and he endured through it all. And it's, I mean, it is a fascinating book you you'll i cried multiple times in it um i yeah couldn't put it down it's it's amazing it's amazing so it's an ama- it's one of the most amazing true stories i've probably ever read so uh yeah that's that's my book that i go to
0: all right fair warning for our friends this is a chance to get out now we might go an hour on this last question why is dave matthews band the greatest band of all
1: time Oh yeah, let's go, man. I could say this for a, I could talk about this for a long time, but I know we're we're short on time. But so, um,
0: no, take your time. Right. Uh, give me an hour.
1: Okay, uh, I know uh, you. I know you appreciate this.
0: I gave them the warning.
1: Um, yeah, you did. You did. Um, yeah. So there's a lot of reasons. Some of the some of the, the reasons why Dave Matthews Band is the greatest band of all time. First, they're just amazing musicians. Um, So you have Dave on the acoustic guitar with just these crazy riffs um, that are really hard to play, but are really uh, catchy. Um, You have in some of the the older stuff, you have the violin, you know, which is a, an instrument that was turned into a rock instrument, uh, which most bands have never done that. Uh, You have the saxophone player. Who's amazing. You have a trumpet player, you have a keyboard player. So you have all these um, drums, bass, you have all these, instruments that are enmeshed into this um, into this rock band and they they're all, they're all super talented at what they play so that's one reason um, second reason is the style, the different types of music that Dave plays um, what I mean by that he has slow songs um, like slow love songs he has super fast upbeat jam out songs um, he has a few songs that he kind of even goes over into kind of a genre that's almost like hard rock. Um, even you could even say hard rock slash, uh, screamo kind of, he has two or three where he, I mean, his, his, yeah, his vocal range is amazing. So, um, so they touch on so many different genres, uh, and to hear them do that is, is really, is really fascinating. Um, and then another reason their their live their live performances are uh, incredible. So if you've never watched a Dave Matthews Band live performance, I just encourage you to type that into YouTube. There's a lot of concerts on there, and just watch a few songs from a concert, and uh, and you, you, you prepare to be blown away. Um, it's it's pretty incredible. And uh, and finally, I'll say just the, if you need once if you've never heard the Dave Matthews Band play you need one song to listen to to get a good intro to who they are I would say listen to the song entitled ants marching it is uh my favorite song of all time and um yeah so wow
0: I'm convinced I'm gonna check them out what uh, yeah you should I'm gonna check them out what what album should people listen to if they're even tickled by your mm. previous answer Hmm. uh it's okay. I know you and, want to say all. It's okay. Just just give them one.
1: Yeah. Okay. So this isn't necess- this might be my favorite album. It's not necessarily my favorite album, but if you're trying to get um, a good mix of what Dave Matthews band sounds like, I would probably say, listen to the album crash. Cause he's got a lot of his, a lot of those kind of genre ish. Genre, different genre type songs I, I talked about um, are kind of all on that album. So I would say listen to Crash um, to get a to get a good mixture. All
0: right, last question. And you just said "Ants Marching" is your favorite uh, DMB song. It's a classic. Yeah. But do you, Do you have a favorite? What's your favorite deep cut?
1: Ooh, yeah, great question. Hmm, probably either. The Dreaming Tree, um, because I was actually at a concert that he played it live at, um, and that doesn't happen a whole lot, uh, and it was a, it was really cool. So either that, um, or let's see, I don't know if The Last Stop is considered a deep cut or not. It might be kind of a mid-range, but probably The Last Stop. Um, I really like that song. Wow.
0: We might, we might need to do a breakout podcast on dmb if i can figure out a way to make hey, it relevant
1: yeah i'm down there's a there's actually a whole article on like dave matthew's band and like how it relates to christianity oh, wow. um, that i found once and it's it's pretty it's pretty interesting
0: yeah yeah that we'll, we'll have to save that uh, maybe we can we might be able to spin that i mean yeah yeah you and i can do that one all right hey this was Let's awesome you're the man thanks so much for Joining the podcast, and we are happy to yeah. have you and Sophie and uh, and Hadron. Absolutely. No, I'm kidding. Hadron. I- iPhone always ca- corrects <laughs> – right. it, it auto-corrects Hadron to Hadron. We need to fix it. it
1: yeah. Who knew? Who, Who knew? knew?
0: All right, man. Well, we appreciate it. We'll talk soon.
1: All right. It was great. I appreciate you letting me do this.
0: All right. Thanks again to Josh for joining. We're going to get Sophie in here soon so he, she can explain how it was love at first sight on Josh's side, and I don't know what happened for her. But we'll figure out that story soon. Thanks again for listening, and we will have a new episode next week. Come back soon.